things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> A lot of times you expect me to talk about sports, and damn it, that's what I usually do. Even though I get into pop culture and entertainment and politics and all of that stuff. But I got something else on my mind today. I got something else on my mind. And I'm going to start this off with a question. Should I get married? Did I utter those words? Stephen A. Smith Show. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you as I love to do every weekday, pretty much every weekday. I know I come at you Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays live, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on YouTube, and obviously 1 p.m. Pacific, although there are sometimes I don't limit myself to just the three days when you own and operate your own stuff. You get to maneuver the way you like to move. And on this particular day, it's an ordinary day, obviously, and I appreciate, as always, y'all chiming in, tuning in, and what have you, because I wouldn't be where I am without you. We're right here. In our studios, courtesy of our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. By the way, major, major gratitude to all of you. My subscribers have jumped to over 226,000 and counting. It's just skyrocketing day after day, week after week. I wouldn't be in this position if it were not for y'all. So thank you so much for all your support, your love. You keep coming. I'm going to keep on coming. All right. Be sure to like and subscribe to get to, to get uh, notified about all of our new content. Click on the bell to get the most up-to-date notifications. Okay. Wanted to make sure I brought that to you. And of course, if you've got questions, feel free to chime in, put them in the YouTube chat, and I'll get to them at the end of the show, all right? And of course, I can take your phone calls as well. They didn't have the number up in there, but they will in a second. I'll read it off to you in a minute. Listen, I started off the show. There's a lot of stuff to get into, but th th I'm not really inter interested in talking about sports today because I got something on my mind. I started off the show by saying, should I get married? Contrary to what you would believe, I'm not talking about myself. I'm not talking about myself, okay? I was talking about all of you. It's a question I think everybody out there should ask themselves right now. Now, contrary to what you may believe, although I'm 55 and a father of two, I have never been married. I am not against marriage at all. In fact, I hope to be married someday. I hope to walk down that aisle. I hope to walk down that aisle. I hope to be standing there on the altar and wait for my beautiful bride to come sauntering down the aisle. I want to see that. I really, really do. Now, me personally, I will prioritize the honeymoon more so than the wedding. That's just me. 
I just tell you right now, that's just me. I would prioritize the honeymoon more than the actual cost of the wedding. You understand? And I think about our life and I certainly wouldn't want to deplete funds. And I don't think you should all either. But nevertheless, the wedding, as is the case for the ring, is for her. It's not really for you as dudes. You understand that, right? And of course, I'm talking to the heterosexual couples out there because I am one. Those who are flowing a different direction, that's perfectly fine. That's your business. I'm just telling you, a man, heterosexually, that is, marrying a woman, the ring is for her, the wedding's for her. The honeymoon's for y'all. And the life thereafter is for y'all. But the, the, the ring and the honeymoon is for her. I bring all of this because on this particular Friday, you're probably sitting up there asking, what the hell is up with Stephen A? Where he going? Where he going with all of this? I mean, damn, what's going on? Kevin Costner is what's going on. You know that dude? Kevin Costner? Star Draft Day? You understand? Star Yellowstone? Who's entering its last, is in, is, is in its last season? That Kevin Costner. What was that movie with Whitney Houston again? Him and Whitney Houston? You understand? I will always love you. I mean, uh, excuse me? Bodyguard. That's what it is. Okay? We understand who Kevin Costner is. Great actor. I had the pleasure of interviewing him before. Uh, but he's in the news for the wrong reasons. And this is not the first time he's been in the news for this reason. Years ago in 1994, um, his divorce cost him $80 million. Or he had like an $80 million divorce. I don't know how much exactly it cost him. But he's in the news today. Because it says Kevin Costner is strange wife blast inappropriate 52 thousand dollar child support payment proposal fifty two thousand dollars fifty two thousand dollars a month that's what she's been granted she said ain't enough kevin costa's estranged wife christine Baumgartner reportedly thinks nearly fifty two thousand dollars a month in child support for three kids is completely inappropriate the former handbag designer who was in the midst of a contentious divorce with the movie star, stood firm on her stance that her kids, quote, need $248,000 a month in child support. According to new court documents obtained by TMZ on Thursday, Baumgartner, 49, reportedly pointed out that Costner, who is 68 years of age, that's 19 years of age if you don't know the difference, makes $65,000 per month just for renting out a beachfront property and that income alone is more than what he is willing to pay for his three underage kids. He's got a son, Caden, at 16 years of age, daughters Hayden and Grace, who are 14 and 13, respectively. Baumgartner, the wife, who previously admitted to not having a job herself since her eldest was born in 2007, reportedly said her children are accustomed to a lifestyle that includes assistants, helpers who handle schedules, grocery shopping, food prep, cleaning, and cooking. However, Costa has maintained that $51,940 a month, it, which is what he's currently paying, is the only reasonable amount of money that he should have to pay in child support, the actor also recently alleged that he simply, quote, cannot afford a higher amount, end quote, since he will no longer be on his hit show, Yellowstone. He said he'll earn substantially less in 2023 than he did in 2022. Costner also previously argued via his attorneys that Bumgarner is allegedly seeking a higher payday for child support in order to fund her own personal expenses. 
According to Page Six, the Hidden Figures actor's forensic accountant found out his estranged wife spends more than $100,000 per month on cosmetic surgery procedures. And that's the real reason she is asking for so much more money. Boutique shopping, ATM withdrawals, construction loans, attorney fees and other expenses, blah, 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 blah. Mm-mm-mm. Says Costner's reportedly also offered to pay Bob Garner a $10,000 advance toward her moving costs and $30,000 per month for a rental house as part of his child support. Let me tell you where I'm going with this. And by the way, the number to call in is 626-SAS-0769 and 626-727-0769. That's the number to call in to holler at me directly. Let me tell you why I bring up this subject. It's time that we have this discussion. Somebody's got to have it. So we're going to have it. <sighs> I believe in the sanctity of marriage. My parents were married for 60 years, 59 to be exact. I believe in the sanctity of marriage. I have statistics here that show that happy wife, happy life. Married people live longer than divorcees. All of that is true. But here's where it gets interesting. Is it time to start asking the question as to what is the incentive of marriage? Is it for money or is it for love? Because you see, I've got some stuff here. Some statistical information. Uh, we got Kevin Costner and what he's going through. Bill and Melinda Gates. Their net worth was at $112 billion. Melinda reportedly got $76 billion from Bill Gates. $76 billion on. $76 billion. Dr. Dre, the GOAT, and Nicole Young finalized a $100 million divorce with his wife of 24 years. Was, or he was ordered to pay Young two separate $50 million transactions. $50 million per two. Michael Jordan and Juanita Jordan, remember that one? After 17 years of marriage, that was a $168 million divorce settlement plus $2.1 million in legal fees. How about Tiger Woods and Ellen Nordegren? We ain't feeling no sympathy for Tiger. We know what happened. We know what happened with that, but it, it cost him $100 million. Matt Lauer, Annette Roke. Remember when he lost his job at NBC Today? And ultimately ended up divorced after his firing from the show, an incident sparked by serious allegations of sexual misconduct. The divorce was finalized in 2019 after 20 years of marriage. She walked away with $20 million, an equivalent of $1 million for each year they stayed together. James Cameron, the Titanic director, and Terminator franchise star Lisa Hamilton. That was short-lived, spanning only a year and a half. After only a year and a half of marriage, the divorce reportedly cut his earnings from the film in half after Hamilton was awarded $50 million as part of a 1999 divorce settlement. 18 months of marriage, 15, I'm sorry, $50 million. $50 million. Jeff Bezos, remember that one, right? Divorce final. Settlement was only $38 billion. It's $38 billion. $38 billion. 
$38 billion. I'm not taking sides. I'm just saying it's time to somebody. We gotta have this discussion. We gotta stop acting like there's people out here, men and women, by the way, who are scared to walk down that aisle because, oh my Lord, I mean, I don't know if I could be monogamous. No, that's not it. That's not it. We don't know in some of these cases whether infidelity was a part of the equation or not. It is entirely possible that people could have been completely loyal. It's entirely possible that people could have been all into their significant other before things went awry. And we got courts ordering folks to hand out tens of millions, if not billions of dollars. Billions. I mean, is anybody going to say something about this? Now, you Kevin Costner, listen, I'm not trying to get in his pockets. Listen, the brother's 68 years old, y'all. He ain't 28. He ain't got 40 years left in the business. I mean, when you talk about one over $240,000 um, $40, a month, you're talking about nearly $3 million a year. $3 million. Now, that's child support. Now, see, that's where I differ because my attitude is very, very simple. As a daddy, they hungry is because I'm starving. I don't eat unless they eat. I ain't comfortable unless they comfortable. All of that is true. And always, 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 your child should maintain the same quality of life you have. Period. But God, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell y'all about some of my personal experiences as it pertains to some of my boys. And ladies. See, I'm no fan of Eric Benet because of Ali Berry. I ain't like the fact that it was signed, you know, according to the court papers, palimony. You a man, earn your own way. I'm chauvinistic like that. What you doing taking money from a woman for? And I know of women who have had the same thing against them that some of these dudes have. But let me tell you about the dudes. I know a brother. He's one of my boys. He knows who he is. I ain't going to say his name. He was married. They never had any kids. He wasn't feeling the relationship anymore. Neither was she. The divorce wasn't even contested. And the courts ordered him to pay $12,000 per month. That ain't child support. That's adult support. That's wife support. $12,000 a month? He wasn't even making a million a year. $12,000 a month? Just because y'all ain't together no more? She wasn't disabled. She had a job. Why you had to pay $12,000 a month? I know one of my female friends, she was actually making more money than her man. He cheated. He cheated. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. He cheated. He cheated. And she still was ordered to pay this brother $15,000 a month. 
See, we talk about marriage in this country. In this country, we talk about marriage. But every time you turn around, it's a financial transaction. And it's getting to the point where prenups ain't safe because you got people contesting prenups. This latest woman, I forgot her name, that reportedly was messing with Tiger Woods. They weren't married, but she signed an NDA. She wants to violate the NDA so she can speak. Unless she can pay more money. Allegedly. I mean, what the hell's going on, y'all? I looked at Kevin Costner and I almost wanted to cry. I'm like, her name was Erica Herman, a woman with Tiger Woods, by the way. That's right, right, Jay? Erica Herman. I want to cry for Kevin Costner. Because ain't none of us getting older. Don't you see my hairline creeping a little bit backwards? Don't you see the gray in the side of my head? I'm closer to 68 than I am to 28. Now, he got with a younger, foxy-looking lady. She's 49 right now. Married for years. Born three children. Three wonderful, beautiful-looking children. Man, 68 years old. Yellowstone is going off the air. This is their last season. I ain't hear about no movies knocking on this. There ain't no more, ain't, ain't no more bodyguard movies coming out. What's he going to do? We don't know. $204,000 a month. He giving you 52. You get money. Um, in other ways, what do they say here? The $10,000 advance, $30,000 per month for a rental house as part of the child support on top of the $52,000. I mean, come on, y'all. I, I mean, at some point in time, these subjects have to be addressed. I understand people live longer when they stay married than when they get divorced. I understand some of these divorce stats are out. Marriage rate has declined to drop it from 8.2 per population to 2000 in 2000, a six per population in 2021. You know why that is, right? See, the divorce rate is dipping a little bit because people either are choosing not to get married at the rate they once were, or they're choosing to stay married because it's cheaper to keep the other, male or female. And I'm not pointing the finger at women because there's men doing it to women too because there's women out there in the workforce making money. And in some cases, making more than men and getting hosed. I, I, I'm just saying, y'all. I keep thinking about that movie with Tina Turner and I. What's love got to do with it? And I'm not going to advocate or anything like that. That's not why I brought up. What's love got to do with it? Because we know how sorry Ike Turner was as a human being, at least how it was depicted. I'm not talking about all that. I'm just talking about the fact that what the hell does love got to do with it when it comes down to that amount of money coming out of people's pocket? Finances are a big reason why people are getting divorced these days, you know. Finances. There's other things. Arguing and conflict. Infidelity, of course. But it's also finances. I'm just saying, y'all, stay with me on this. I want to cry. I'm thinking about that 68-year-old 60 man. I mean, we ain't getting no younger, y'all. 
We ain't getting no younger. We ain't getting no younger. Women, yeah, you get old, so do men. And by the way, one could easily argue that y'all work better older than most men do. I'm not talking about myself. I'm not talking about myself. But the fact of the matter is, y'all good to go. Y'all all right. A lot of times y'all better off than a lot of us. But this ain't no gender issue right here. This country that we living in, it's taking money every chance we get. It's taking money. I got so many statistics here, I, I can't even read them. Can't even read them. Because I don't have the time. I got my man Dion Cole coming up next. It's funny as hell. And he's got something out on BET Plus that's doing some good things. And I got to talk about him in a second. But I'm just saying. This is some serious, serious business. I thought I was going to have some fun and laugh about some of this stuff. But the more I think about that money coming out of Greg, uh, Kevin Costner's pocket, he's trying to get out of his pocket. The worse it gets. At some point in time, we're going to have to have a conversation about this. My boy Cardell is listening somewhere. My brother. He just sits up there sometimes and he just shakes his head. And he talks about the court system and what it does to people. And the things that he says are not suitable for re-airing or echoing. He's bitter. My man Mark, Money Mark, you know who you are. He's listening to. Money Mark is like, yo, Cadell, man, you can't act like that, dog. You can't talk about a woman like that. You can't sit up there and have attitude and call her out a name and be acting all like that and have your hand out for the electric bill. You can't do that. These are arguments they've had in public. That's why they're listening now. Probably laughing, thinking I'm crazy. But I'm crazy, but I'm telling the truth. I ain't taking sides. But what I will say is to all the ladies out there from a man because I'm not a woman I know it's happened to y'all too so my heart goes out to you because some crooked dudes out there mooches but for the fellas who have suffered the same plight I feel their pain I've had fellas come cry on my shoulders because of what Kevin Costner's going through. Obviously not at the same dough, amount of dough. But nevertheless, people can relate. I mean, after all, we all in it together, right? We all in it together. Dion Cole up next. This is Stephen A. Smith Show. Be back in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? My guest is an award-winning actor and stand-up comedian known for his work on the hit ABC franchise Blackish and Grownish. 
and the hit films like Barbershop, The Next Cut, and The Harder They Fall. Please welcome the one and only Mr. Dion Cole. Mr. Old Spice. That's what I'm going Mr. Old Spice. What's up, my brother? What's going on, man? How you doing, man? What's up, Steve? How you doing? I, 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 l- l- listen, man, I, I'm good, man. I can't complain at all. But listen, before I get into uh, uh, into everything with you talking to you about this new show on BT Plus, I got before I get into all of that, I gotta tell you, man, I was reading your bio about how you first started doing stand up. It was like a bet for fifty dollars or whatever. Check this yeah. out, man. Check this out, Dion. Somebody rolled up on me a few days ago and bet me. They were like. You need to go on stage and do stand up. I said, hell no. I ain't doing this shit. I ain't doing this shit, Dion. I ain't doing Dion, I ain't brave as you, brother. I ain't doing that shit. Hell no. I'm not doing it, Dion. I'm not doing it, man. A- a- am I right? Am I making the right decision, man? I ain't doing it, Dion. I'm gonna do it. I'ma I'm say this. You might be leaving some money on the table. Really, really, a little money, no money, little cash, little cash. You kind of hilarious. <laughs> Listen, man. First of all, first things first. How you doing, man? How's everything going, bro? Man, I am so uh, honored and blessed right now, man. It's a real good time, man. And uh, I'm just excited, man, with everything that's going on, man. And, uh, yeah, just working, staying out of everybody's way, you know, and just trying to create and make yeah. people happy. That's in the hospital and in jail. But I'm listening, man. Listen, man, I saw a little bit of the average Joe. I got to watch more of it. I saw a little bit of it, man. And, uh, uh, damn it, you ain't trying to make people laugh in that one. I mean, that's that, that a little different <laughs> thing, Dion. That's a little different. Talk to us about that show. First of all, let the audience know what it's about. And how it came to be? How did you How did you get this project? Yeah, so Average Joe is about this guy. It's it's, it's a darkly dark, a dark comedic like a comedy. It's not a comedy. It's, it's a it's a drama. It's it's, it's it's a hybrid of all of it basically. And uh, it's about this guy whose father passes away, and this mob mobster team, this mobster group thought uh, said that he took some money from him, and they thought that. Joe, who I play, know where it is. And I'm like, huh? And after that, chaos ensues, man. And it's just like a roller coaster ride of just a thriller, a twist and turns of who did what and murder and killing. And it's just, it's it's crazy to go off the rails, man. But people been loving it, man. And shout out to everybody that's been spreading the word, man, because that's how these things happen. Word of mouth, man, from people going to tell other people about it. And, you know, it's been, it's been bubbling, man. And so I want to thank everybody. Uh, this project came about, I wrote this movie, I wrote, I wrote a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to do the movie. And the reason why is because it had drama in it and they kept going, oh, you a comedian. No one's going to really be buying that. And I'm like, nah, like they, they, no, nah, people, right. I could do drama and comedy. And they was just like, yeah, well, and I talked to some heavy hidden producers, some hundred million dollar directors, and right. they wouldn't do it. So when this when the script came along, I read it and I was like, yo, this is exactly what I what I, I, I what I was what I was writing in my script. Mm. And so I, I kept looking at it and looking at it, and I was like, man, this got everything in it, like drama, comedy, uh, vulnerability, uh, gangster stuff. It was everything in it. And I was like, man, this is this is gonna be it. And so I was like, I'm gonna take a chance on this. And we did it, and man, it man, well, it's been it's 
really bother me. Well, first of all, you know, you, 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 you're in a good spot because you're talking about people spreading the word. Well, damn it, I got one of the loudest voices. I'm spreading the word. So, I mean, you good. So, you good. I mean, you good, you, you, you good already. I mean, you good. My, my loud ass stuff. Damn it, the average Joe. You heard y'all. BT Plus. Yeah. Get with the program, okay? <laughs> but, but, but what made you decide to do something like that when you're known for being comedic, you're known for, for making people laugh. I mean, listen, I saw you on Jay-Z's Netflix, you know, show with Idris Elba when you got your ass kicked and even that was funny. I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at that and I'm like, you make people laugh all the time. What, what was it that made you want to delve into drama? Did you sense at all that there was limitations in the comedic world for yourself or was there some other motivation? No, no, it's not even that. It's Well, I've always thought about, you know, acting and always wanted to, you know, to act. I really, I definitely want to do that or whatever. But um, I feel like this, man, when you, when you, when you're acting, you shouldn't be pigeonholed and everything. If you're going to try to be an actor, be an actor. Like right. that means acting in different scenarios and taking different projects. Right. Like I always tell people, if I was a barber, if I cut hair, I wouldn't just cut black hair. Right. Like that makes sense to me. I would learn how to do all hair because I'd be leaving some money on the table. Mm-hmm. Like if I be a barber, let me be a barber. Yeah. I, a barber. The only, right? the only thing that's risky about that proposition, I mean, black folks ain't gonna trust no dude cutting white hair, and white and, and folks cutting white hair ain't gonna, the brothers see, ain't gonna see, trust that. You I mean, it, it, it make us nervous. I'm just saying, it make us no, nervous. See, this is where you wrong at. You can't. <laughs> that's the thing. You you can't tell me that I can't do that. I right. should be able to cut all hair. I should learn how to do it. If I got clippers in my hand, I should also learn how to. Well, cut. I agree. Yeah, I should cut everybody's hair. I'm just, just saying it'll make you nervous. I'm just saying, if you saw some dude, you know, going through <laughs> Pat Riley's hair, and then you looked at your afro in the mirror, you're going to be like this. I don't know if I want this dude cutting my hair. I mean, what I, I do know, know is you that. just take a comb and you just do their hair like this. <laughs> that's right. That, that's right. Like this hair, right? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know how the hell it's going to work, right? Exactly. But I, I got to ask you this, because one of the things I remember seeing you on Blackish, and as funny as you were, there were real-life scenes where you could see that kind of persona that you're talking about bringing out of yourself. I saw some of that revealed, like when you you departed and you was talking about losing your job and Dre had to go in a different direction. You're like, it's cool, bro. It's going to be all right. Yeah. I saw this coming, et cetera, et cetera. You were speaking about real-life issues, and I thought about uh, Anthony Anson, who I've known for years, and I, I thought about originally when I thought Blackish wasn't going to succeed just because of the title, thinking that would yeah. America be receptive to Blackish, and then the yeah. show was obviously sensational and everybody did such a phenomenal job but there were so many real life issues y'all tackled how much did that assist you in being able to do a project like this the average joe tremendously you got to understand man i worked around greatness for eight years i worked around tracy ellis ross Anthony Anderson, uh, Jeff Meacham. Uh, I, I worked around uh, 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 Marseille Martin and, and Miles and Marcus and Yara and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Lawrence Fishburne and Jennifer yep. Lawrence. And I mean, everybody, the Peter McKenzie. Like we, I worked around greatness for eight years and I looked at how they tackled each episode and how they put everything in it from studying scripts to Lawrence Fishburne meditation. I don't meditate, but I used to see how serious he was when he did it. And I used to be like, yo, 
Like, this is real. Like, right. this ain't just no comedy routine. This is real life. Like, they really acting. And so being around that and, and that work ethic, I just took that upon myself and applied it to everything else I did. You know, every everywhere I go, I'm a sponge. And that's what makes a great comedian. Mm-hmm. You can't go in a room. Everybody expect for you to be funny all the time. I let everybody down. Anytime somebody meet me, I let them down because they think I'm going to be hitting them in the face with a pie, slipping right. on the banana peel or whatever. And I'm right. not like that. Right. I'd rather sit in the back of the cut. I'm more of an observational comic. I sit in the back and I learn and I listen and I listen and I listen. And then I take those situations and apply it to myself and, and apply it to what I have to say as well in mm-hmm. order to know what I'm talking about. So to go from that and to have that kind of mentality, to being the number one dude on the call sheet, to being the lead in the drama series, what do you sit back now and, and, and look at yourself as now? And I'm not talking about your profession. I'm talking about just looking at you where you are in your life right now, knowing what your aspirations once were, knowing what you aspire to be. And then sitting here right now in this seat, in the position that you're in, where you're making noise, everybody's noticing what you're doing and the diverse, the diversity of your talents. You could be comedic. You could be serious. You know, you could be a lot of different things to show that range how are you feeling about yourself right now at this point in time in your career right now i feel like i told your ass that's how <laughs> i feel like <laughs> i ain't gonna even lie i ain't right. trying to be arrogant but right. when i wrote that movie and people didn't get it i was just like yo why don't y'all get this like it could be done like well I, I just really didn't get it and so now i'm like i told you i told you that it could be done and it's like didn't nobody listen to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, it, it could be done. I, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew I can do it. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, and see, and another thing too, it's not even just about how how about your talents. What one thing I learned, and I got this from Tom Hanks, man. He said he's not that he said he wasn't that great. He said that it was the people around him that was so great it made him look like he was great. And I was like, wow, that's great. But a lot of people don't want to do that because they don't want to be outshined. Me personally, on my show, Average Joe, everybody on there is amazing. They're phenomenal. I'm probably like the least. (laughs) I'm probably the least out of everybody. But everybody's so phenomenal that it just just gels together. So when you you put all that together, man, you'll have a a great recipe for something. And that's what I think. There are people outside of Hollywood and outside of show business who hear something like that and they'll say, wow, that's great to hear because at least at one point in time or another, they found that hard to believe that people are receptive to embracing the greatness of others, to letting others shine as well as themselves. Because Hollywood at times appears to be like crabs in a basket. If you get an opportunity, that means there's a boatload of people that ain't getting those opportunities. So in order for me to get ahead, I got to stop you, et cetera, et cetera. Is that an accurate depiction of show business, Hollywood and beyond, or is it false? And it's something that a lot of folks need to be informed about as it pertains to that potential falsehood. So it is like that in Hollywood. I ain't going to even front, but it's got better. It's got, it's gotten a lot better. It used to be where it was only one person at a time that got all the scripts. It was this one person that got everything. If he didn't want it and that's how everybody else ate. That's how it always goes. And it's still kind of like that to this day. Mm. I remember when Will Smith was the number one everything. He was, he had the Wild Wild West number one movie, mm. Wild Wild West number one soundtrack. He had the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was number one across the board. And he did an interview and they asked him, what, 
what it like, what else do you trying to accomplish? And he said, I am not going to be happy until they come to me with scripts before Tom Cruise. Mm. And I then that always stuck with me. I was just like, wow, mm. like it's always a grind, no matter what level you on. There's something right. for you to achieve and something for you to, to, to conquer, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And so I just feel as though that like that's 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 how it is. You have to be in the right mind form in order to like focus and, and, and get to that, get get to that position where you want to conquer these things. You know what I mean? And, and what and, and what gets people to that right mindset, that right form? I mean, how I mean, obviously, you've been able to achieve it. You talked about watching Lawrence Fishburne meditate. You talked about watching folks on Blackish study their script yeah. or whatever. What's the ingredient to the level of success that people aspire to have? If you're going to pull it off, I'm talking about mental stability right now from the standpoint of being able to maneuver or push through that inevitable grind that's coming to try to curtail I mean, you. Right. It's, it's practice, but I'm going to tell you something a lot of people fail to realize is that you got to be around great people. You got to be around great people. Mm -hmm. You can't be great being around people that aren't as great as you are or doesn't have the, the type of uh, 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 hunger that you have. Mm -hmm. You got to be around these people in order for them to push you. Like if you go into the same neighborhood, you're doing the same thing constantly or whatever. That's you ain't growing. You, got to you ain't growing. To. You ain't growing. But if you go to like somebody's house that's huge and you look and you see that they have this, or or you you your mind is set like, man, I want this, or man, I I, I need this, and mm -hmm. then your mind's gonna change, and then your when your mind changes, your environment changes, and everything else changes along with it, or whatever. So you got to be around people that's gonna spark you. Mm -hmm. You can't be around the same people waiting on waiting on that to spark you. You got to come back and get them. You got to go right. do what you got to go do and, and be inspired yourself in order in order to, to conquer that. You know, right. I feel you. And so now we sit here and you've got average Joe um, from a comedic perspective. Aren't you going on tour this summer? Yes, sir. OK, I'm going I, mean, on tour. I need tour. to know. The, I need to know the cities because I might show up. I might I'm, show you up. You got to come and I need a high five from you. So I need for you to. I need you to write a good five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Stop it, man. I'm giving you the microphone. That's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. That you scared the living hell out of me, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I Listen, I, I'm not scared to go on stage. I'm scared <laughs> to go on stage with the obligation to be funny. Yo, Dan, you know, yo, yo, you, you just got to go up there and talk. That's really? It. Really? Look, look, let me tell you something. I wrote for a lot of great comedians, right? I met a lot of great people from Conan to right. Cat Williams to, to Nick Cannon. I wrote for a lot of great people. And you know what I did? It wasn't even writing the jokes. It was the fact that I was around them and I paid attention to what they said and reminded them what they said. Okay. I didn't even really have to really write. I just had to remind them what they said, and then they went and took off and did. Man, you set me up to get booed. You said you're one of them people, man. You set me up to get booed. You set me up to get booed, man. Damn, man. Listen, listen. Here's the deal, damn man. Listen, I hosted Jimmy Kimmel one time. One time they asked me to host Jimmy Kimmel. I was scared as hell, but I actually did. I did. I did all right. I finished number two in the ratings that night. I had 1.7 million views. But I gotta tell you this, man. I gotta tell you this. I had about 12 writers. I had about 12 writers, man. I'll be damned if I'm going to take credit. I had about 12 writers, all right? And I'm, I picked out the stuff I wanted to talk about, but damn it, they wrote it. I guess what I'm saying is this. I can be funny, Dion, until you tell me I need to be. Like, See, I can be funny by problem. accident, but they not on purpose. Tell, they don't need to tell you that. 
They just need to let you be you. Mm-hmm. Like Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg is hilarious with just him being him. Wow. Like he, he you, is. You, you, he just, is. you he give is. Snoop Dogg with Mike, he's gone. He is. That's how you are. You think I'm playing. Oh, You're the same way. I'm scared. You scared. I, listen, man, I don't like showing my punk side, but that's the punk in me. I'm scared <laughs> of shit. I ain't going to lie to you about that. But listen, where, where, where these shows going to be at, man? Where you where you performing? So, I have a new tour. It's called My New Normal Tour. The dates have the dates are being they actually they already together, but they just organizing the organization and how I'm be traveling around this country and about and beyond. So they just organizing it so it makes sense where I can go just state to state to state to state. But the states, I mean, but the dates are already in. You go to Dioncole.com and you'll be able to see all my dates there. And I got a few dates right now. Like I'm on my way to Detroit. Uh, I'll be in Gary, Indiana. I got a couple of places that I'm, I'm doing. Right off top, just working out the kinks of the material before I really hit it, hit it. And you can go to Dioncode.com or you can see me on my Instagram at Dioncode there. And I have the dates of uh, both places. What's the most fun you've ever had in your career? Wow. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's a good question right there. Yeah. The most fun that I have in my career would be basically. Coming up with a, 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 a putting out a special. Okay. When I put out that special, that's people look at that as the beginning of the of, of, of the beginning game, yeah. but that's the end game. I watch Anytime it. you get special, the special is the end right. of the run of that material. Mm-hmm. So anytime I put a special out, that's the end of that set of jokes that I will never do again unless you know somebody requested or something right. like that. But when I put that special out. I, that's like the happiest I am right there when I put that special out. I mean, work-wise. Other mm-hmm. than that, when I'm just chilling, man, on my personal time, I'm just chilling and relaxing mm-hmm. and just with family and friends and just cooling out, man. Cons- that's, I'm, that's a good time. Concerned at all about the comedic industry, the community, and how folks have sort of tried to muzzle or neuter y'all? Because I'm like, yo, listen, damn it, I got I, I, I got to receive the hairline. Ain't no hope for me. Okay, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I can go to hear club for men, but damn it, George Jefferson's calling. Okay, I mean, it's just reality. It's just reality, okay? I understand it. I accepted the whole bit. I expect somebody to troll me about it. I'm not upset about that. You got people being sensitive to every damn thing. I, I, it's pissing me off because I love comedy, you know, and I don't like the fact that folks are getting in y'all way. It, it, the one thing I respect, no one can ever accuse a comedian of discriminating. Y'all hit everybody. And everybody. so and so my attitude is, as long as you hitting everybody, what's everybody. the problem? What's the problem? Yes. But that's the damn soft-ass world we living in. You concerned about that at all? I mean, absolutely, man. I, I heard some comedians say, yeah, if you ain't worried about that, if, you, if you're worried about that, that means you're not a good comedian. No, that's, that is very not true. And by the way, what you just said, that's the beginning of your five minutes. So write oh, that down. damn it. Damn well, it. The, here's the other thing, though. Like, <laughs> oh so here's the, here's the other thing. It's like, you have to take in consideration what people think, because unfortunately, these people are coming to the shows to cancel you. And it's so sad. It's like, why would you go to a dog show and complain that there's no cats? Yeah. Why would you come to a, 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 a air, air and water show and be like, why y'all can't have this on land? Like, it's just it's like that's how it feels. And it's like, why would you come mess this up? 
why would you come to this show and mess it up for everybody in here who can handle this? And just because you can't handle it, then you want to go complain about it. This room ain't for you. Why don't you go leave? I mean, why complain about this? And it's, it's like if, 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 if you like Snickers, don't write to Kit Kat and tell them, That's yo, right. you shouldn't be selling this. That's right. Like, just don't don't eat the Kit Kat. It ain't for you. This world is so huge. You do not need to be in this room with me and 2,000 people having a good time if right. you can't handle it. I just think, and, and, I, I just think as a, it baffles me that people still show up to these shows yeah. with the mentality that they have. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I just think that we got to get to a point, man, in our society where I, I think it's cathartic and helpful. You got to tell people to kiss your ass. I mean, you got you you to tell them to kiss your ass. You, you, you really, you, that's what you got to do. I mean, like, it's, 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 it's very refreshing. It's very, it's very, uh, it's with, you know, it's, it's, it's it, it, Whitney, Whitney Houston them said, waiting to exhale. It's, 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 it's exhaling. How about that? Okay. <laughs> I mean, please give me a break. By the way, quick just a question before I let you get on out of here, man. And I appreciate your time. Your hometown, Chicago. You know, yeah. I've been going off about shootings everywhere and all of this other stuff. And I made news the other day. I didn't give a damn. I just said what I felt. It's like, wait a minute. We're going to protest yeah. when a, a police officer, we, we, by the way, take one of us out unarmed. Ain't no excuse for that. We get all of that. White person shoot us, et cetera, et cetera. But hundreds, if not thousands of us are shooting our own and we don't say a damn word about it. That's unacceptable to me. And Chicago throughout the years, your hometown has been one of those cities. I'm wondering what role, if any at all, did that play in you deciding to do Average Joe? Well, the city, that's that's a whole nother discussion. Right, Chicago, gotcha. What is going through and how it is the way it is. Okay. Basically, a lot of the gangs in Chicago and abroad, and abroad these, gang, these gangs exist because of love. The lack of love at home. That's, That's true. What it is. That is true. And so they go over there to, to get love. And another support. And support. Absolutely. Another thing I want to discuss is these young men that's out here shooting people and stuff like that, constantly with guns or whatever. A lot of that has to deal with emotions. And I'm a, I might get in trouble for this, but it could be a discussion or whatever what I'm going to say. But I feel like a lot of men are raised by their mothers, right? Because their fathers are gone or yep. whatever the story is. The same story that happens a lot of times. But when you're around your mother and me personally, I was raised with my mother and I have the traits of my mother. I'm a very emotional guy. Yep. I'm a very emotional guy. Yeah. And I get it from my mom. Yeah, we, see that. we see that in the Old Spice commercials. We see that in the Old Spice commercials. Yeah, yeah, That's, yo, what yo. <laughs> That's what it does. That's what it right, does. Right, but... But I, I know how to control my emotions, but there's a lot of men that don't know how, how to control their emotions because they feel as though they got to be a man because they're a man. But their whole life, they've been an emotional kind of guy because of their mothers raising them. And that's all that they see. So they don't know how to control that. So they feel as though that a gun is the easiest way to, to control that because they can't fight. Ain't nobody fighting no more nobody. at all. Nobody. So therefore, nobody. They, they, they use this gun as a, Something that that, that ego, or, I don't know what it is, but I think that they have to control their emotions and just know that, yo, you taking somebody's life is so easy, it's so whack, it's so terrible to do that. Just if you having to discuss, if you having a problem with somebody, just overlook it because whatever you worried about right now, you ain't gonna be worried about in four months from now. Right, and that's just how life how life goes. The problems you had. 
two, three months ago, they ain't problems right now. And you have to understand it always works out. Yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah. Always works out. But it it could work out without a body being gone. That's my, 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 my executive producer, Deb, always say that. It always works out. And it does. It always does. Yeah, but you got to right. Just to let it work out. You got to have the patience and nobody wants to wait for anything these days. Everybody thinks that today is the end of the world, not recognizing the sun's going to shine tomorrow. You're absolutely right. Man, I'm so proud of you. Proud of everything that you're doing. Average Joe streaming now on BET+. You know what? I got You know, I got a few followers. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to put this out. DeonCole.com. I'm going to make sure they know That's where you're going to talk about. I'm going to go watch Average Joe. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to do anything that I can to prevent you from forcing me to get on that stage. That's my motivation. That's my motivation. <laughs> I'm going to get you up there. I, man, I know you're going to try, man. I appreciate Nothing you, bro, love, man. No man. doubt. Thank Always, you, man. All the best to you, man. We'll see you soon, bro. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show Thanks again to my brother Dion Cole He's really, really funny Loved him on Blackish. Loved him in a couple of movies that I've seen him in Just was watching Barbershop 2 the other day That was hilarious when his girl walked in the barbershop And smacked the living hell out of him That was really, really funny <laughs> Started stuttering and all of that other stuff as well Um and his show, Average Joe, BT Plus, I mean, must see. Y'all got to check it out. He's doing some things. Major, major props to him. And major, major props to all of y'all for continuing to support the show. Right here, the Stephen A. Smith Show on uh, on YouTube. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. The subscribers keep climbing, y'all. Keeps climbing. Over 226,000 and climbing. It was just 220,000 less than 48 hours ago. So, appreciate the love. Thank you so much. Be sure to like and subscribe to get notified about all of our new content. Click on the bell to get the most up-to-date notifications, right? Um, I'm going to get to your calls in just a second. We'll get to your calls. Before I do that, I got something else on my mind. Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian. Now, this ain't some gossip thing or anything like that. Y'all got to listen to what I'm saying. I'm not trying to engage in no gossip. It's not my style. I ain't a National Enquirer kind of person or anything like that. No disrespect to them whatsoever. But I'm not, I'm just not that. I don't roll like that. That's not me. But I am allowed to see a headline in Fantasize. Let me be very, very clear. Uh, they said that they was at, according to page six and a couple of other publications, Tom Brady, 45, recently divorced, was seen with Kardashian, who's 42. Obviously, she's been divorced. You know, she's been divorced. Um, they're just friends. Ain't nothing going on. My point is, what if it was? Now, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> Tom Brady, do your thing, bro. I mean, do your thing. I mean, please, he's divorced. He's married 13 years. Giselle Bunchen. she's something, listen, she's a sensational woman. No doubt about that. I, the greatest runway walk that I have ever seen was at the Olympics in Brazil years ago when that woman walked down that runway. Lord have mercy. That's a walk. I mean, you know why she's a supermodel when you saw Giselle Bunchen walking down that runway like that in the Olympics. It was something spectacular. No question about it, okay? But he's no longer with her. 
They asked for privacy. They got it. They got divorced. They got wonderful children. They're both, I'm sure, beautiful parents. But they're single. Y'all didn't mind showing photos of her with, 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 with somebody else. I don't know who it was. My girl, Lala Anthony's right there in that photo. Kim Kardashian. Lord have mercy. Look at Kim Kardashian. I digress. Focus, the focus. My point is, <clears throat> if Tom Brady ends up, you know, getting his groove on, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure we shouldn't have a problem with that. I'm really quite sure. I mean, yeah. There's absolutely, positively nothing wrong with Tom Brady if if he was with Kim Kardashian. And, and just for the record, because we all grown heads, Bernie Mac, the late, great Bernie Mac would say, we all grown, we all grown, we all grown here. Um, you don't have to be together, to, to hook up together. So a lot of times when people talk about they're not dating, you know, they're not dating one another, they're not an item. Well, that don't mean nothing happened. All I'm saying is if it did, ain't none of our business. But it's yet the latest reason to admire Tom Brady. Somebody got to say it, so I'm going to say it. You know, again, I ain't seen Kim Kardashian ever with the makeup or whatever. I just know how she looks in the photos and stuff like that. Sensational. I met her face-to-face twice, one time in L.A., uh, both times in L.A., actually. One time at an event, another time she was on Dancing with the Stars years ago. That was obviously before, you know, work was inserted into the proceedings. And she was drop-dead gorgeous. Kim Kardashian, there are worse things to connect with than Kim Kardashian. So if that's what Tom Brady is doing, and by the way, there's a photo right up there of Kim Kardashian to my staff. Don't ever do that again. When you show me a picture of Kim Kardashian, I need to see more than a headshot. Okay? That is not a good job on the part of my producers. You must do better. You must do better than that. Anyway, I've said my piece. I've said my piece. Okay? I'll leave it at that. Got some uh, uh, social media questions being thrown in my direction, so I'm going to get right to that before I get on out of here for the weekend. JT um, says, Stephen A., what sources do you tend to rely on or prefer for your world and nationwide news? Well, a couple of things. Number one, I read several papers every day. Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, New York Daily News, um, sometimes the New York Post, I go online. I always read ESPN new, uh, ESPN.com. I always go to yahoosports.com. I go to Bloomberg News. Um, <clears throat> you know, I definitely go to CNN.com and FoxNews.com as well, both of them. Um, I Google and see what's trending and what the world is paying attention to and what's percolating. All of those things come into play as I try to scan the globe to see what happens. I'm really, I, I like the news that I like. To, I like, I want to know the news that's percolating, but I'm very, very big on reading opinionated pages because I love perspective. The, nut, the nuts and bolts of a particular story, you can get that in the first few graphs or the first page of practically any story. Um, but in the end, the perspective that's provided with the opinions are another thing entirely. And listen, I, I, I mean, when you talk about great writing, I grew up writing 
or, or writing myself, but I love the great Ralph Wiley. Um, I was a fan. Uh, I've been a long time, God rest his soul. I was a long, I am a long time fan of Michael Wilbon, who I think to be the one of the greatest writers in American history. Uh, folks like him. There was a former columnist at by the name of Bill Lyon from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He was writing in poetry. He was sensational. Um, I always read Mike Lupica's column, Mitch Album back in the day at the Detroit Free Press. I read him, Bob Ryan for the Boston uh, Globe. You know, they were always on the sports reporters, the Brian Burwell's God rest his soul, sensational writer, you know, people like that. And I'm very big in the opinion pages. And one of my favorite columnists in America is Peggy Noonan from the Wall Street Journal. It's one of my favorite columnists on the planet. I love her work. I think she's phenomenal. So that's just to name a few. I get my hands on anything that's percolating and stuff like that. But every morning before I walk outside, I scan and I determine based on scanning all of those things, what I'm going to read. And then when I get settled, I actually read those things. Malik Williams writes, better talk about Kiki Palmer and black Twitter. What about Kiki Palmer and black Twitter? What the hell happened with her? What did I miss? Kiki Palmer's boyfriend, Darius Jackson. Darius Jackson is his name, is doing what? He criticized how she dressed. He criticized how she dressed. Yeah. She got a dance from Usher, and then he was criticizing that, but she's a mom. Because she's a what? A mom. Right, right. Well, I haven't seen it. I don't know it. I do know that I consider Kiki Palmer a tremendous talent. Um, I like her a lot. I like her work. Um, I think she's somebody uh, that gives it to you, you know, and so I'm totally, totally cool with it. My man Kendrick Perkins has been trying to call, get, get in here or whatever. Kendrick Perkins, man, I don't see you on the line, all right? My colleague at ESPN, why don't you stop bullying me, all right? Stop bullying me, man. Yeah, I got love for you and all of that other stuff, but damn it, I'm your little big bro. You didn't stop it, right? Stop trying to intimidate or trying to bulldoze your way onto the Stephen A. Smith show. What's up? Well, nah, nah, Stephen, nay, you got to let me in. I'll let you in. Just be nice about it, okay? Just be nice about it. But I don't know. Get back to Kiki Palmer. I don't know anything about it. That's Kiki Palmer's boyfriend that did the insult? I will say this, though. Your boyfriend got a, a right to like and dislike what he wants. Now, he shouldn't be publicizing it to the world. He ain't got to go there. But if he told you privately that he don't like something, ain't no big, ain't no big deal on that. Ain't no big deal on that whatsoever. And so, I, I, I mean, but again, if you love your man, Kiki, and he has a point, Kiki, then listen to what the brother has to say, Kiki. However, Kiki, make sure, Kiki, that you at least tell him, Kiki, if I'm your woman, don't ever disrespect me publicly because my name is Kiki. And I'm special. That's how you do that, girl. That's how you do that. But I'm a fan, Kiki. I'm just saying. Demisio Hernandez writes, did you talk about Wimby and Brit? No. You know why? Because he didn't slap Britney Spears. Allegedly, the security guard did. You see what I'm saying? And this is the thing. I met Wimbyana. Victor Wembanyama, number one overall pick drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, seven feet five, the new raging sensation debuting tonight at the Summer League in Vegas on ESPN, by the way. That Victor Wembanyama, 
Look, here's the deal. I met him, his brother, his sister, his parents. He seems like a really, really nice kid, a really nice guy. Now, if he was accused of slapping Britney Spears, that would be different. But the security is there to protect him at all costs. Now, you could argue that they could have handled it a bit differently, and I'm not going to dispute that. I haven't really seen it. But what I will say is this. That security guard got his career on the line because if anything bad happens to Wimpinyana, that brother unemployed in a nanosecond. So if he saw somebody putting their hands on him inappropriately, sneaking up on him or whatever the case may be, he's got a right. He's got an obligation to protect Wimpinyana. That's what's paying his bills. It's just that simple. That's all I got with the messages. Now let me get to the calls because a couple of few of y'all want to call and want to chime in at your boy. So let's go. I'm here for it. Let's go. Stephen A., it's uh, Noah from Milford, Connecticut here. And i got a question. So there's this girl I'm seeing. Everything's good about her mm. except one thing. She thinks Jordan is the GOAT. I might just like have to break it off with her, Stephen A. Uh, I don't know really questioning my morals here. I need a response. Thanks. So Noah calls and he's got a problem because he thinks his woman believes, this woman he's feeling, woman he got love for, woman he want to be with, his problem with her is that Michael Jordan the GOAT. Well, first of all, he is the GOAT. And when it comes to GOATs, there is only one excuse a woman in your life that you've loved, that you've invested in, that you've given yourself to, should have as an excuse for labeling somebody other than Michael Jordan the GOAT. And that's if she looks at you and she says, baby, you're the GOAT. Now, if she does that, all is forgiven. If she doesn't, well, you might have to re-examine that relationship. Now, I wouldn't go too far because Jordan don't give a damn about you. He ain't going to sleep well at night. He ain't going to advise you to get rid of what's keeping you warm. Don't be stupid now. You understand? Don't be stupid now. Ain't nobody going to rush to keep you warm now. She dead. And if you got love for her and you was feeling her, she was doing something right. So if she's doing something right, let her keep doing that. And just incrementally, sporadically, implement words of counsel as to who the GOAT should be. Then again, let me say this because it's very, very important. If you got to tell your woman you're the GOAT, instead of her telling you that, then you ain't the GOAT. Because when you are the GOAT, you don't have to wonder. She automatically lets you know. Next up, who's there? What's up, Stephen A? This is Joe from outside of Philadelphia. What I want to know is if the reports are true that Damian Lillard would be a fixer right now if they would include Tyrese Maxey, then what the hell is Daryl Moore doing? Let me know. Steven, he's smart. He's being smart. I love Damian Little. Love him to death. 32 years of age, turning 33 to July 15th. 
absolute stud, long-range sniper. I think when you think about him compared, I mean, outside of Steph Curry, what point guard would you rather have with that long-range sniper ability that's better than Damian Lillard? I'm sorry. I love him. But you see Tyrese Maxey? Have you seen this brother? Who, by the way, is about 10, 9 to 10 years younger. I'm not letting go of Tyrese Maxey. I'm not doing it. No. I believe Tyrese Maxey has the potential to be a bona fide star in the NBA. And if that brother finds himself in a position where he can sit up there and and get himself to be the second preeminent face of the Philadelphia 76ers, okay? I say you do it. I don't blame Daryl Morey for this at all. I'm just Googling Tyrese. Tyrese is 22. He's 22. He turns 23 November. He's 10 and a half years younger than Damian Lillard. I'm not giving up Tyrese Maxey. I'm not giving up Tyrese Maxey. Hell no. Not even for Damian Lillard. And I love Damian Lillard. Next up, who you got? Hey, Stephen A. This is uh, Jonathan Pike out of Chicago, Illinois. My question to you is, what is who is your top five black quarterbacks of all time in the NFL? Ooh. My top five black quarterbacks of all time. Well, first of all, it's easy. First of all, it's Patrick Mahomes. That's number one. That's an easy one to pick right there. It's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Man, I don't want to forget anybody. We got Steve McNair. We got Donovan McNabb. We got Randall Cunningham. Oh, my God. Who am I missing? Michael Vick. Um, I wouldn't put him in the top five, though. Um, uh, 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 Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, what he's doing. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, Doug Williams, no, he's not in there, even though first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl title. Yeah, I'm going to put Donovan McNabb as the top five. I'm going to put Warren Moon as the top five. Help me, Gaff. Am I missing anybody? He got to be considered. Dante Culpepper got to be considered. Steve McNair got to be considered. Oh, oh. So I said Patrick Mahomes. I said Donovan McNabb. I said... Who's the third one I said? Who's the third one I said? Warren Moon. Okay. Ooh. Damn, this is tough. I know I'm going to forget somebody. I'm go- I know I'm going to forget somebody. My sister Sumatra just handed me the list. See, that's why she's an assistant extraordinaire. That's what she does. Give a brother an assist. I appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. I'm looking at some names here throughout history. Warren Moon, Steve McNair, and James Shaq Harris. I remember him. Dante Culpepper. You mentioned him, Gaff. Cordell Stewart. You can't forget him. Oh. I'm going to have to go with just based on talent, y'all. I'm going to have to go with Patrick Mahomes. No particular order, but he's definitely number one. Patrick Mahomes, Donovan McNabb, Warren Moon, Dante Culpepper, and Steve McNair couldn't run like Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick. Nobody could run like him. I said, hell, you know, you know. I got to put Lamar Jackson up in there. I got to put Lamar Jackson up in there. I got to do that. I got to do that. All right, so that's four. 
<sighs> Man. One could argue that Deshaun Watson got to do a little bit more. He's probably better. But do you give him the nod over a Dante Culpepper who used to throw the ball of Randy Moss or a Steve McNair? You know, I don't know if you give him the edge over that. So it's got to be one of those two. I got to think about that. All right. A couple more calls left. Go ahead. What's going on, Stephen? Yo. This is Terrence Foster from Fayetteville, North Carolina. All right, Barry White. And I have a question about your career field. So the game of sports journalism and media has changed so much in the past few decades. What would you recommend for someone trying to get started in building that resume? Good question, Terrence. A little bit too long. Barry White voice and all that stuff is cool, but damn, you know what I'm saying? Or listen to some love jams, you know, just get to your points quicker next time and and and, and speak and speak without that bass in your voice. Having said all of that, let me say this. Um, you want to get in this business. People can talk. People don't get nervous in front of the camera. People know how to articulate their thoughts thoroughly and all of those things are true, but it means nothing if you have nothing to say. And so you got to really do your research. You got to really know what you're talking about. You got to really know people in the business. Even when my information at times is something you would consider suspect, it's because I'm coupling the intel that I received combined with the sources I've cultivated and the intel that I'm being provided to by people in the know. And so because of that, I've established myself as being connected to the fabric of industries that I cover. And that goes a long way where even if you want to feel the need to correct me based on a nugget of facts here or there, you can't deny the fact that there is substance to the things that I say because, you know, I'm getting it from somewhere. Perfect example is when I just finished talking. You know, I just uh, I was talking just the other day to a couple of politicians. Some of them will be on the show, including Governor Chris Christie uh, sometime next week. He'll be on the show. Former governor of New Jersey, two term governor of New Jersey. So so when you listen to him and you listen to Maxine Waters and you listen listening to other folks that are on Capitol Hill and stuff like that. What happens is, is when you start talking about those things, people have a reference point, not just reference material. And as a result, it elevates credibility. Thinking that you could just read, don't report, don't cultivate resources and context. You could just read like everybody else and get in front of the microphone and the camera and talk your shit. That don't work. That don't work because you haven't given an audience a reason to gravitate to you because you haven't given them an indication that you've put in the work that warrants their time to listen to what you want to disseminate and express. You got to think about it along those lines. Knowing how to write is important. Knowing how to research is important. Having a personality so your presentation is on point. All of those things are important, but nothing beats substance and nothing of substance comes from something that's not attached with information. You've got to research, you've got to get information, and you've got to cultivate contacts and resources so they're feeding you information. That's how you do it. Let's get to a few more calls. You know what? I got a couple of minutes. I'm going to take about three more calls, and then I'm going to finish the day, the, the week up. Let's go to these three calls since I'm going to be out here for the weekend. What's up, man? Hi, Stephen A. This is uh, Robert Preston in Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County. Uh, my question is concerning Charles Barkley's... Uh, decision to leave $5 million to the University of Auburn after he became upset concerning the affirmative action uh, rule. My question is, why would we want to leave $5 million to the same school that is perpetuating 
not allowing black students into the school. Well, first of all, wouldn't it be better for that five million dollars to be left to a historically black college? Not necessarily, because he's from Alabama. Auburn's in Alabama. That's his home. And what he wants to do is make sure that he facilitates diversity being an inclusionary component into that university if they're not going to do it on their own. He wants to force feed that agenda. And I can't knock him for that. We, Of course, I'm an HBCU grad. I give to my HBCU Winston-Salem State. I'm the ambassador for HBCU Week. I've helped generate an excess of 12, you know, of, of over $12 million, I'm sorry, over $28 million in scholarships for over 12,000 students. Of course, HBCUs are incredibly important to me. And Ashley Cooper has led the way in, you know, in, in that efforts with HBCU. We're doing a phenomenal job all of these years, no question. But understand everybody doesn't come from an HBCU. And sometimes it's more important to you to touch on who you identify, identify with and where your background is from. If I'm a, I'm a native of Hollis, Queens, New York, okay? And I may not have, uh, you know, if my high school, for example, wasn't integrated and I wanted to do something to ensure that it was integrated, somebody would say, why not just pour money into a school that's already integrated? Because I want the school that I went to to be integrated. It's my money. And I make contributions all the time, but I wanted to make that contribution. That's what Charles Barkley did. There's absolutely positively nothing wrong with that. And be happy that he gave money that was designated for black students. You, that ain't good enough. You got to tell him, why not give it to an HBCU? Why don't you go give it to an HBCU? Next caller. Hey, Stephen A. My name is Luke from Chicago. Yep. My mom is a huge Knicks fan. And yeah. I'm a big Bulls fan. She was 13 the last time the Knicks won a championship in 1973. All right. My question for you is this. We, we've, we've had this debate for a long time. Who's the better player, Clyde Frazier or Scottie Pippen? I think it's Pippen easily, but, but, but I want to hear what you have to think. Okay. I love your show. I love first take. All right, and, all right, uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. I, please, I appreciate the pleasantries, my brother. Thank you so much. I don't need to be fawned over, though. Uh, but thank you. Here's the deal. <clears throat> Two completely different times. If you look at Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen, 6'9", all-world defensive player, six-time champion, future Hall of Famer. I'm sorry, not future, but present Hall of Famer. Of course, Scottie Pippen is the name that should come to your mind. I will remind you, however, that the last time the Knicks won a championship, Floyd, uh, you know, Walt Clyde Frazier delivered the goods. Um, and that was a brother that scored 37 and with 19 assists in the game seven. That Walt Clyde Frazier. Last time the New York Knicks knew anything about a championship was when Walt Clyde Frazier delivered it. So I'm not about to throw any shade on him nor his greatness. All I would say to you, really, 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 is that Scottie Pippen, the modern day era, the way the game has evolved, you have to give it to him. But he was never the point guard that Walt Clyde Frazier was, never the scorer that Walt Clyde Frazier was or could be. But in the end, modern times, the way the game evolved and the fact that Scottie Pippen was six feet nine, of course you go with him. Okay? But I'm always going to have love for Walt Clyde Frazier. And your mama is right to do so. Respect your mama, boy. Respect your mama. Last caller. For the weekend. What's up? Hey, Stephen A. My name is Grady. I'm from Houston, Texas. I was calling about your podcast. I love listening to you. I don't believe 
I don't agree with a lot of you say, but that's fine. I'm I'm an American, and I believe we can have differences. Still, he hear each other's side. The reason I'm calling today is I hear you talking about gun violence, the mass shooting. Totally agree with you. All right, but the thing is, you're preaching to the choir. All we're doing is complaining, 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 and then pointing our fingers at other people. The thing is, what we need to do is come up with solutions. We need to understand the facts, come up with solutions. You know, you're not going to get rid of all the guns, no matter what. I mean, they're there. You know, you can get rid of the AR-15s. You can stop some of them. But they're still there. You know what I mean? And people are still going to be shooting. What we need to do as a society is come up with ways to prevent it. We need answers, not sitting there talking and talking and talking and talking, because that's not getting us nowhere. That's enough. You know, we need to come up with. It's enough. First of all, Grady, I appreciate the call. Don't ever call this show again and leave that long-ass message. Okay? Matter of fact, that goes for all of y'all. 30-second limit. I mean, Jesus. You want your own show? Go get one. Don't call and use the phone line and try to act like you're just leaving a message when you're trying to give a soliloquy, a damn dissertation. That's number one. Number two, Grady, if you listen to my comments about the shootings in Baltimore, I said that black folks are killing one another, and I meant it. And I also said, how are we going to complain when white folks are killing us, kills one of us or or, or someone in a blue uniform, meaning law enforcement officials, kills one of us and we ready to have riots in the streets. But when we kill one another, which all communities do, by the way, people usually kill within their own communities. But the numbers work against us. We ain't 58.9% of the population like the white community is. We're not 196 of the population like the Latino community is. We're 13.6% of the population. Yet we make up 38% of the 1.9 million folks incarcerated in the United States of America. That's a damn problem. That's a damn problem. And what I was saying was, we have to stop killing one another. We have to find a solution because the laws ain't good enough. You got folks killing one another in laws like California and New York and New Jersey with the strictest gun laws. Maryland got an A minus for their grade. They're one of the strictest gun laws states. And they they got 130 homicides in Baltimore this year alone and over 300 shootings. But they're also killing in Alabama and Mississippi and Florida and Texas and stuff like that. So you got constitutional carry states where homicides are taking place and mass shootings are taking place, just like you got it in states with the strictest gun laws. It's hard to figure out what the hell a problem is. But the first thing to do is point to our humanity and to say, where's the love for one another? Let's come together as human beings and make sure that we prioritize minimizing the homicides, the killings, the mass shootings. That's what I said. I didn't point the finger at anybody. As a matter of fact, I specifically said I didn't know where to point the finger, which makes me pissed off because you swore you watched the show and you listened to the show, and clearly you didn't listen to that one. So sit your ass home, clip back on the Stephen A. Smith show, rewind the damn show, listen to what I said, and then call back and correct yourself because you are wrong as it pertains to interpreting what the hell I said. Did not say that. And I didn't blame anybody. I held us accountable because we're the ones dying. That same old song and dance. Oh, we got to come. We got to do something. We got to do something. Well, we got to come up with something to do. Well, what was your suggestion? Because you talked your ass off for about five minutes and you didn't give a suggestion. 
But I thank you for listening to the show and watching the show. I appreciate that. Before I get on out of here, last June 24th, 2022, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. I only brought that up because I'm not going to talk about it. I'm simply going to say this. I am a man who is against abortion. But I am pro-choice. I simply have a problem with men telling women what to do with their bodies. That's me. But I do understand that the laws of this land are what they are. I do understand that even the late, great Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is a Supreme Court justice, once said that she didn't think that Roe v. Wade should have been presented to the courts. It wasn't a federal issue. And if I'm misinterpreting or misquoting what she said, I apologize, but that was my understanding based off of what I read. So you have some Democrats who felt it should have never been presented. The case should have never been presented to the Supreme Court to begin with. And 50 years later, it was overturned. And now it's back into the rights of the states. Some states have completely outlawed it. And as other states have made it very, very difficult for women to have an abortion. I'm not going to get into that subject today. I'm just going to say that I thought that considering it's the one year anniversary, June 24th was the one year anniversary. Um, and I neglected to mention that last week. I felt it was apropos that I bring that up to remind an abundance of people out there on both sides of the aisle that this was a very important issue in our country. And we should always remember what the ruling was, whether you're for it or against it, just to keep our conscience alert, if nothing else. That's it for this week of the Stephen A. Smith Show. As always, be sure to like and subscribe to get notified about all of our new content. Click on the bell to get the most up-to-date notifications. I got to get on out of here, but I appreciate y'all sticking around. Thanks again to the great Dion Cole. He's got a really, really bright future. Very, very happy for him. I meant what I said about Kevin Costner and, and, and his situation with his wife. I mean, damn, $52,000 a month, you know, plus $30,000 a month with rental properties and stuff like that. A lot of money. A lot of money for a 68-year-old man to be giving away. I, ain't, I, don't, I don't recall him walking around with billions. That's just me. That's just how I feel about it. As for Tom Brady and Tim Kardashian, my brother, <laughs> I ain't mad at you. Kim, good luck. Most people wouldn't wish you that if he were playing because they'd be worried. You know we don't want a football player looking like Dion Williamson. Talk about the legs. We need that energy, the legs. But uh, he's not playing anymore. Tom Brady is expected to be in the broadcast booth calling football games. So whether, even if he ends up with Kim Kardashian, and again, it's none of my business, but I'm not hating. I think it's safe to say he'll be just fine. He'll be just fine. Just wanted to point that out. Y'all have a nice week. And you hear? I'll try to do the same. Until next week. Peace and love, everybody. I'm out. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast.